And hello everyone, welcome back to Top of the Card, the five-person wrestling podcast with only four right now, we might have a fifth later, but uh, as I normally say, we are not timely, but we are opinionated, but today we're a little bit timely, because we're recording this on Dynamite Night on September 7th. So, this is Top of the Card, Top of the Card pod on Twitter, you can find us there and get the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on all, all those platforms, please follow along through there. And you can also go on to Frontline League. The Frontline Prediction League is our predictions, wrestlings, server type stuff as well. You can go through that and also find our YouTube channel for Frontline Prediction League. And you can get into our Discord for both. There's live event chat going on in there. Lots of talk about the wrestling news over the weekend. And we'll get into that in a second. And we just did a triple shot of shows because we covered all three. And we'll talk about the actual ones here shortly. But beyond all of that, I am Scott, your co-host. Joining me, as always, except when he's not, is the GMSG. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Tired, but it's been a it was a really long weekend, even though it was a holiday weekend, and uh, well, shit got really bad for uh, wrestling at the end of it. So we'll see. Yeah, we thought we'd have a lot to talk about just based on three shows, and then like 1 a.m. Sunday happened, and it got it got crazy. Uh, but we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Uh, Red, how are you doing today? I should be tired, but I'm not. I uh, had a lot of caffeine today, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> and Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good as well. I'm not very tired. Ready to talk some wrestling. Uh, how are you doing, Scott? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, we, like Jim G said, we had a long weekend. But uh, for us, with our prediction stuff, we had a lot of work. Uh, from writing matches and doing stats work behind the scenes and booking things on the fly as one show goes to the next, including booking during the main event of one show for the next. Yeah, it's uh, it was wild. It was a lot of fun. We love this stuff. It's awesome. And yeah, it, it was really good. Sadly, CT is not here yet. And to, to be to be fair, he might not be. He is planning to get back in a little bit. We might still be going at that point. We probably will be. And he might jump in at that point. No guarantees there, but we'll see what happens. But we do have plenty to talk about beyond that. Yeah, so the basic the basic thing, all we had, because we kind of covered up to leading into the triple shot weekend, the triple threat, if you want to call it that, of Clash of the Castle for WWE, first stadium show in 30 years in the UK. Worlds Collide with NXT and NXT UK basically unifying and the NXT titles living on and the UK ones going away. And All Out, AEW's latest pay-per-view with 15 freaking matches on it. But theirs are always kind of like the WrestleMania of the show, but that is where it all began with All In in 2018. So that's the sentimental one. And we had plenty to talk about there because a lot of good matches, uh, 25 matches for crying out loud, I think it was, 26 with the pre-show and uh, Clash. Some, some fun stuff during it, some debuts that made GMSG lose his mind. Uh, some fun stuff here, there, and everywhere. And there's even been some kind of other news since with Raw and some stuff announced today with WWE. But obviously, yeah, we know the biggest news is from the media scrum after All Out and then the repercussions that happened afterwards with... You can't even say an alleged fight because there was some kind of incident. Like, it's it happened. And the specifics are alleged. And we're on Dynamite Night, so we already know that the world title's vacant, and so are the trio's titles, and they've already been awarded to somebody else. And the Dynamite Grand Slam will have a tournament final for the world title. So, where to frickin' begin with all that? 
we always go in order, so let's go back to the beginning here and actually talk about Clash at the Castle because the easy part of this is it was largely a fun show. There were no title changes, so we don't have Sheamus winning. We didn't have Drew winning. I know a lot of people are kind of upset about that. Theory didn't cash in, the, the, the kind of some basic stuff. But overall, like we can kind of cover this quickly, not to dismiss it, but I don't feel we would have spent too much time on it anyway. Gunther and Sheamus was amazing as we had hoped in that way. Uh, I did really like Roman versus Drew a lot. I feel GMSG talk, and I talked about it a lot. This was just another thing for Roman to overcome. And yeah, largely the show was good. I think from a quality versus spectacle standpoint, Red, I'm going to kind of steal your phrase here, but I think SummerSlam still had a better like epic feel, but Clash was a better show in some ways. It was just a lot, not cleaner, but it's the word that came to mind. We're just kind of like in and out, decent show, good stuff. Nothing wrong with it. The ending was a bit weird with Tyson Fury, but and that's it. Like nothing really to 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 harp on or complain about, and we're good. Even even the weakest matches were still fine. Like, and I know that's a weird thing to be like. Does it compare to SummerSlam? SummerSlam was super fun too. But that's that's my opinion on it. I'm gonna go to GMSG first, simply because the main event had a part that had him yelling. And, like, marking out in a way that I haven't heard him ever do. And it it surpassed Roman coming out of nowhere to Spear the Fiend in 2020. So, Jim G, take it away. So, the bad thing is, I forget that when I wear my headset, it peaks really badly. So, I definitely peaked too loud that <laughs> night, or that afternoon, and yelled. Uh, funny thing is, I kept like, saying, oh, maybe Somerset was a little better. And I, like, looked back at it and actually watched a lot of the show back. Uh, Clash of Castle actually wins show of the year already for me, um, unless something major happens the rest of this year. The crowd, the matches, there wasn't a dull match. Except for maybe the women's world title, but they made it work better than the previous one, so just everything worked out. The flow was great afternoon show. The main event, Solo Sokoa showing up, just I lost it. I, Everyone in the crowd and everyone in our voice chat definitely thought that was the end. And then, nope. It was too good. Way too good. Yeah, we bought a lot of near falls. I, I didn't buy it at first because he hadn't even hit a Claymore yet. And I'm like, well, Roman's got to kick out of one. <laughs> like, I, I got that Young Bucks feeling. I'm like, well, we're not there yet. But maybe? Like, I started to wonder. Because Roman was acting like... Why is this island not acknowledging me? What do these 60,000 people not realize? Like, it was it was a unique situation. It was very, very cool. No Usos, no Heyman. Heyman's injured, and Usos... DUI is prohibitive to travel. So, they, they couldn't make it over either. So, Solo got in there. And Sami Zayn, uh, who knows? So, like, that was awesome. Bear me. Gunther and Sheamus. Yes. Beat the living hell out of each other, and Fabian Eichner back with Imperium. That's that's so awesome. Yeah, that reveal of uh, Giovanni Vinci was fantastic. Yes, dude, just freaking Sheamus's chest afterwards. It was literally like you've seen Daniel Bryan's chest after like the Greatest Royal Rumble and stuff. And then I almost want to say Shane. I, it probably wasn't worse, but like those are like the two things that I kind of compared to Raw Hamburger. His chest was just done well Seamus is so pale so that that helped that one I think too and and what was really cool is after the match Seamus got a standing O Mm. from everybody 
and that was great. It was like, you know, being in like a, like a, a big marked town, you know what I mean? Like where they're, where they give everybody the, the standing O. Yeah. But yeah, that match ruled. Um, Roman versus McIntyre was really good. We're still telling the story with Roman. We haven't, we're not, we're not, we're still ascending the bloodline. We're not on the, the slippery downfall slope yet. We'll probably get there. Still, seeds will be planted probably near more near Rumble and stuff for that, but I'm happy with where it's going. The women's match was solid. Both women's matches were solid. And, uh, yeah, I have, oh, and heck, the tag match was good, especially for the end because, you know, Dom turned on Edge and his dad, which was awesome because, you know, Rhea made him a man, which is also awesome. So, I, I, that, that was probably the show of the weekend, I would say over the other two shows but overall yeah i really enjoyed that pay-per-view and i thought it was like you said you said that um SummerSlam had like the bigger what you say you said it was the feel right a, a bit of a bigger feel for some reason i don't know it just it it the look of it even might be it i don't know yeah i i i can see that but i don't know just the crowd there it kind of made it feel that especially crowd, for the main event that crowd sang Edge's theme song word for word. Yeah. Toronto didn't do that two weeks ago. Like, <laughs> that's his town. Right. So the fact that they right. did it was wild. And my God, they sang Seth Rollins' theme song through his whole goddamn match. Like, mm-hmm. that was wild, too. Uh, Red, oh, what were you... that match was good, too. Yeah, that was, I, I forgot about that match. That's how good it was. Like, I oh, yeah, too. that one, too. But Red... Bailey uh, Chan as well. Oh, the Bailey chant was good too. Yes, like everything, even though the pre-show match with Madcap Moss running like a maniac was awesome. But we'll go to Red because Red, I think you were the first one to really say flat out that you like this better than SummerSlam, right? I actually preferred SummerSlam over Clash of the Castle. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Clash, the crowd helped it make a, m- a much better feeling of a show, but the show itself was not as good as the SummerSlam, in my opinion. I prefer quite a few more matches at SummerSlam than I did at Clash of the Castle. With that said, I will still say that I would love to see Gunther and Sheamus too. Like that match was hard hitting, just great. Like at one point I'm like, these guys are giving each other receipts. I even asked you in chat. No, you're just like they're just hitting each other. Like it was great of a beat 'em up brawler type European wrestling. And I really enjoyed that match. Yeah, there uh, there might be receipts down the road now because it's like, man, that that really hurt. I'm gonna get you back later. Like that would be a receipt. This was just they're all in doing it in the moment, and it's it's everything we wanted. I love that match. <laughs> yeah, the the matches were fine, and I mean there weren't nothing special about them. The the crowd, if anything, really saved the whole show. Just their participation, the singing, the chants. It just felt like a good old wrestling show. The closest thing I could have compared it to is the Mondays after WrestleMania. The crowd yes. was really live. Like, That's a good feel for it. Yeah, yeah. That was the only thing for the show that I really enjoyed. The matches were fine. I mean, I hate to say it, but now that Triple H is back, we're, we're almost expecting surprises and shocks and all that. It kind of it becomes the normal feel versus the shock feel. That's that what I've said about so AEW. Often. You're you're on to that. Like that, I've said that about AEW. When when they start relying on that, and that's why your show is quote good, you have problems. And they started getting too reliant on it, and they couldn't pop a number without it. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if we're quite there yet with this, but people are obviously expecting who's going to show up now, because we're still early. We're only a month in. 
right? But yeah, they're thankfully not too reliant on that. I feel with WWE because they're able to put on banger matches while they go. So, so you thought it was just kind of like a, a meh show, but it sounds like you liked it. But I, I did like it. But I think SummerSlam had bigger moments. It had better stories. Being like this one almost felt a little rushed. I, I don't know. I. Something about this show and the match cards doesn't compare for me to SummerSlam's card. I understand. It could have used a few more matches, obviously. I think that's the key part of it. Like, when we saw the matches that were on SmackDown, New Day versus Viking Raiders in a Viking Warship match. Yeah, yeah, put that on the card. That would have been cool. Like, stuff like that would have just helped beef it up. I agree with you on that. I don't think it needed it, but it would have been better if it had it. (laughs) I, I won't fault it for that, so... Just like SummerSlam should have had Sheamus versus Drew in that old-fashioned Donnybrook match too, right? Like they're 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 building their TV and they're strong with it, but yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Now, to go from there over to Worlds Collide, which also seemed like to me, I, I noticed this early during the opening match with Hayes and Ricochet, that felt like a takeover of old, and the whole thing kind of had that feel, which just like the immediacy of things and the stakes because everything was either a unification match or a title match. Like everything had something that mattered to it, which helped obviously, but it just seemed to have that feel of like, we can just go full speed because 2.0 has been going for a year. I think the anniversary is next week and they're getting their footing, but they're also kind of leaning back to what they were doing before, which is the best of both worlds. And that's good. That's, that's great. Um, unfortunately, most of us didn't actually see the main event match at the time because we dropped out to work on stuff for the Frontline Prediction League. Again, Frontline League on Twitter. Frontline Prediction League is our channel. Uh, so that was a bit unfortunate. But what I saw of it was awesome. I loved it. The tag match was chaotic and fun. Uh, the women's match was very, very good. And I loved everything about Ricochet and Hayes, especially Hayes' entrance with the shirts and claiming Ricochet will be the next. That was awesome. And the women's tag was fun, too. Like, the, the whole thing was just solid and, and good. And I had no problems with it. It felt brisk, almost. Uh, GMSG, let's go around the circle again. What were your thoughts on it? Um, the, now, of shows that were rushed, this uh, World's Collide was definitely rushed. Two weeks build. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> overall, it was a really good show. I, I don't. I still, to this day, won't understand the tag team booking even after we just had NXT yesterday. Everything with the Creed Brothers, seeing what they can do in the ring, both of them, I'm so mad that they didn't let them actually hold the title and have actual defenses other than their own faction, two jobbers, and a random tag match. Like, show was good. Yeah, no, we talked. Was actually good. We talked about that a bit. I th- I think the Creed Brothers. There's, I, I I hate to be the one to be like, oh, there's time for that because you never know. But that's my opinion there. Like, there's so much more that they'll be able to do. It's not like it's over. They'll never get it again. Presumably, they're that good and they know it. They'll be they'll be back there. But I would have liked to have seen them run, like, you know, the Steiner brothers back in the day. Just run roughshod on a bunch of teams. It, it feels like it should have been that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on it, but I understand why they did it, too. Like, it's... And, I mean, it was the one time, one match in that entire card where the NXT superstars lost... Technically, and it was yeah. The team that already beat them for the titles, and they just beat them for the titles two months ago. Yeah. Prob- I, if anything, I would have been fine with Gallus winning them. Yeah, because technically it was pretty deadly that won it. 
uh, former NXT UK Tag Champs, came over to NXT, won that vacancy when MSK went, and then lost it to the Creeds. So they won both in one shot. Which, I, I need to tangent a bit, because apparently, uh, like even on WWE.com, they're saying that the final champions were the people who came in with the belts. So, like, Mako was the final UK champion, not Mandy. And Briggs and Jensen was the final uh, UK tag champs. Not pretty deadly, even though they've got the belts. Like, that's... No, when you unify, you win them both. That's... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it, it's a weird decision with them. I don't hate it, because they're over and they're good. But, yeah, the Creed's just... Like, just get out of their way. Let them do their thing. They're awesome. I don't, I, I, I don't get why they're doing what they're doing. Because it, it's not really needed, I feel. But what about the rest of it? Sorry, I, t I hijacked your thing there, Jim. Sorry about that. Um, I mean, for the women's tag, they, it was really good. Though, weird that both tag title matches had interference, but that's rare for NXT to do that. Ma the two main titles were great. And, I mean, Ricochet and uh, Carmelo Hayes was amazing. It was a good show. Just some weird stuff throughout it. I, en I enjoyed World's Clyde white a bit i get why they did the the creed rose though it's to like further that storyline with damon kemp even though he's gonna need a partner for to, i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do with that but i'm guessing that's where it was going and then even in chat like once kemp hit one of pretty deadly i don't remember which one it was the chair like fell down and like julius creed would just like was like yeah thanks man you know and I knew right then that he was going to pick him up, him in the back of that chair, and that's exactly what happened. He's going to do the thing. But, uh, he's going to do the thing. Yeah, oh, do he it. did the I thing. Like, I was like, he's going to do the thing. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, he's going to do the thing. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate was really damn good. Like, just the finish of that, like, Tyler Bate died for everybody's sins on that sphere. I don't know if you guys have seen it. You have to go back and watch it. Incredible stuff. The women's triple threat. I thought was really damn good. Like it's one of the better women's triple threats I've seen in a while. Like especially in NXT, and I think it's just because Mako and Davenport are so damn good, and so is Mandy. Like Mandy's gotten insanely better since being in NXT, like ring wise, and she's gotten really good on the mic. So whatever they when they sent her back down here and they gave her this reign, it's it's really helped her out. Uh, the women's tag was fun. It really was. I just don't get why Toxic Attraction just keeps. Interfering in all these uh, Casey Cannizzaro and Caden Carter matches, but apparently because they're the ones that want the titles. Uh, let's see, what else was there? Missing a match. Missing a match. Can I miss a match? North American. North American. Yes, that was so good. You were right when it said it was a takeover feel for that match. Well, they did like the cross bodies off of each apron. Yeah, they hit each other. Like, they did springboards of off the middle ropes on opposite sides and hit each other in the middle of the ring with crossbodies. Never One seen that before in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was just totally insane. I had a really good time with that show. I thought it was really fun. We were commenting it during that. Felt like a takeover moment. It did. We were commenting during that about Carmelo. I think you said it, and then I was like, I it clicked for me in that moment. Where it's like that man's world champion. Like, I don't mean NXT. Yeah. I mean, like, that's it. And we, we joked about the idea, like, can you imagine in four years he's WWE champion and Adam Cole comes back? <laughs> right. That's a future. That's, that's legitimately possible in four years. 
Because like, like it might be a like pipe dream, but it's also look at things. Braun will be there too, right? Like that's that's the future. Exactly. So yeah, like you see Braun Breaker, like he's I know that he's world champ down there, but I mean, let's be honest, Carmelo is is the real the real champ down there. He's the A champ. Like that's that's what I see as the champ right now. And I want those two to face off. I don't know if we're gonna get that or when we'll get that. But that needs to happen because that will be a damn good match as well. Seems inevitable. Seems like it'll be a thing down the road. So we'll see. We'll see. So North American was my match of the weekend. The whole that thing was one Best match. One? The, this out of all three pay per views, this match was my match of the weekend. There's a lot of stuff in there that I'm probably going to use for my write ups in the future. Oh, see, yeah, yeah. There was moves I don't even know the names of that were impressive to see. Like I've never seen it before. Now I haven't seen as much wrestling as everybody, so they may just be common. But mm-hmm. to me, it was a very fast there acrobatic was, match there was stuff in that where if i had described it beforehand it would sound like i was making stuff up <laughs> it's like he'd sprung off the thing and then bounced over here and that no he didn't oh he did yeah. <laughs> it was like what yeah it was it was fantastic um tags the person that i would have not put any money on or the team i would have not put money on one and i'm not against it i actually seen a couple more of the promos and I'm fine with them being the tags. Um, I agree with GMSG. I wish Creed Brothers had a little more in their reign. But I honestly could see them just trying to finish up with Diamond Mine and they're going to be called up the main roster. I think they're ready to be on the main roster to Creed Brothers alone, not Diamond Mine, nothing like that. Uh, I honestly didn't get to see a lot of Braun versus Bait. I need to go back and watch it. We actually started doing a booking towards the end of that, so... But uh, NXT, the the show was pretty good. I mean, going into it with, what, one and a half week build? It, you know what you're going into. You're combining a bunch of titles and having UK versus, uh, I guess, in NXT. You knew what you were getting yourself into, so not a lot of story was needed. But what they did in that week and a half and then the actual pay-per-view was very well put together real quick. I really enjoyed the pay-per-view. Oh yeah, the packages for the NXT UK title was oh so good. Like it's only five years that was around, and it's all gone now, and it's all unified and blah blah blah. But they treat it with respect. They did, but it was a matter of necessity. Where it's is gone now. It's gone in two weeks. Bye. Okay, <laughs> like I guess we're do, we're doing a thing. Here we go, and that was it. And as far as for short builds are concerned, I've never seen one quite that clean. Uh, even uh, Payback had one week. And was really a one-match card, let's be honest, with a, a few rematches, but yeah. Personally, I think the Creeds, they're still green as hell. They still need some seasoning on NXT. But I feel like they could work on the main roster, simply because you bring them up in a similar way to like Solo Sokoa is now, or some of these guys that are coming up there working with veterans of Raw and SmackDown. I don't, just, I don't mean as veterans of wrestling, I just mean people who have been on the main to teach them. That's all you need, like... Pair them with the Usos for a while, or the New Day, and they'll learn everything they need to know about how the main roster works. They're already getting a lot of that with down below, and it's all good, but I just feel like there's a little bit they probably need to do, just to make sure, because their promos are not good. I'll be honest. They're very basic. They're not great. That's not why they're there, but mm, that that's why they had like some mouse pieces here and there. But Yeah, Ricochet and Hayes is up there for one of my favorite matches. That and Gunther and Sheamus is up there as well. They're probably my two favorite matches from the two shows, if I really think about it. Uh, I never really sat back to be like, what's the best match of the whole thing? I, I couldn't tell you that yet. I really don't know. 
I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, Worlds was super fun. Uh, I, I liked damn near everything about it. Everything, like I said, mattered because they made it seem like it mattered. And it's easy when it's championships, but when you've got the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions facing off against people coming from Raw and SmackDown looking to prove themselves, that's cool. We got Ricochet coming down. That's awesome. Like there, there's cool stuff in here, and there's ways to make it work. So, yeah, I liked damn near everything they did on that show. Can I add something? Because you just brought up a match that I completely forgot about: women's tag match. I will want to rant just a little bit. I hate the fact that on Raw they're teasing a split between Dewdrop and Nikki. On NXT, they're best of friends. The, uh, see, when I saw that, no, bit, it's supposed to be different worlds. No, but it's not. It's obviously not, because Dexter Loomis went between them both. He got arrested and they mentioned it. They're not different worlds at all. Then I really have an issue with how are you going to tease them in the background, splitting up, being pissed at each other, but then the next night be buddy-buddy, we're going to do this. Because friends have arguments. It's easy to explain away. She's frustrated and threw the mask and walked away. That's all it was, to be fair. Doesn't mean they're splitting, breaking up. They're just frustrated, angry. In the moment, we need to see more. They, okay, the next night they got over. in a row. Yeah. They've, I don't know. It, it feels like. Do they have to handhold it? What, what do you mean? Hate, I don't understand. <laughs> on Monday Night Raw, two weeks in a row, they're arguing with each other in the background. They never put it on the forefront, but in the background, they're arguing with each other. And then yeah. the next night on NXT, they're working together as best friends, watching each other's back. It it feels very like two stories are going on at once to me. It, it I, I guess the thing there is it doesn't mean they're best friends, it means they're partners working together. It just means they can't beat the main roster talent and they're pissed off about it, but they can do damage to the NXT talent, yeah. which is environmental. That's all it is. As as bad as it's been, Swerve in Our Glory is a good example of this too, where they get over it. they like, look, we got when, we t- when it, bell time comes, we're on. Now, if they had addressed it and said something about NXT, it's a promo backstage, you're like, look, I know we're frustrated. We can do this. F- five seconds is all they needed for a bit, and it would have worked. I-, I get what you're saying. I-, I do. And that's all they had to do to do it. And they could have afforded that time. But, I, yeah, that- that's all they had to do for that. But they are separate. Like, they're not separate worlds. <laughs> it's not like one ignores the other. Even though in the writing, they kind of they probably have different teams, yes. But they're cognizant of each other's stuff. And they might just choose to ignore it, hoping it's not an issue. That's sometimes a storytelling thing where it's not the focus. Because the focus was the champs trying to retain a toxic attraction, not liking those. That's where the focus was. It's not on the fact of these guys having their issues. I didn't really pay attention to the commentary as much. They may have mentioned it. I couldn't say. I don't know. Because we were in a voice chat and I didn't hear all the commentary. So they may have said it during that. I couldn't say. To be fair. That's Rolls Collide. Like I said, aside from that one, like, beyond that, though, Red, the match was good. Like, these guys are awesome. Nikki Cross, Nikki ASH, whatever she ends up being, beating the ass of both members of Toxic Attraction on the outside was fantastic. <laughs> Nikki's awesome. She's so much fun. She might be dropping the gimmick. That might be what it is. Like, she might be doing that because that's what Dewdrop's been wanting. And we see what that happens if he goes back to Nikki Cross. I don't know. I'm intrigued, though. Uh, but yeah, so that's, what was that? Two matches, or two sets of matches, five and six, I think, matches, maybe seven. Let's talk about the 15-match card <laughs> that was AEW All Out, which was too goddamn long. Um, and I normally edit out the ums. I'm leaving that one in. It, even without these other two shows, knowing it would be basically 8 p.m. to midnight, because that's what they've done the last couple times, plus the hour-long pre-show. 
that alone feels like a slog. And that's not even a knock on AEW. That's long when it's anybody. That's just a lot. And couple it with other shows around it. Yeah, we've got a we've got a bit of a problem here. But we were on a high of two good shows. We had our league stuff going with results happening within the hour of the thing finishing. It was a lot of fun. And then this started. And I got to say, as far as All Out, it was easily the best-paced AEW show. Now, that's because they couldn't afford to not be that because they had 15 goddamn matches <laughs> to do in basically five hours. Uh... Yeah, I'm not going to go through the whole card because that's too many matches that would take too long. Uh, we had the trios champions declared the second match of the main card, which seemed early. Uh, the Elite won that, which I didn't find was a surprise whatsoever. I know many people did. They might have done the thing, but I felt when Tony Khan himself was saying that they're holding off on the trios titles till Kenny Omega comes back, they're going to win the trios titles, but maybe that's what they want you to think. But... They don't seem to do that misdirect as much as WWE does. They kind of hint something. They're going to do it, generally. So I thought that was a relatively safe bet. And they did. They won first ever champions. More on that as we go, obviously. Uh, we have CM Punk winning back the AEW World title in a match in Chicago. which is Punk territory and had dueling chants for a lot of it. They were actually chanting Let's Go Mox for parts of it. and They were back and forth. It was a lot more split than I think anybody anticipated because the way that went down, it very much seemed like they were trying to make it be like all the other times Punk is in Chicago, purely for Punk. Uh, we had the insanely good and fun, but far too long, Swerve on Our Glory versus Acclaimed. That is one of the loudest matches I've heard probably ever in how nuts it was with unique chants for the scissor stuff and those guys were over as hell. It still went probably five to ten minutes too long, but the local crowd loved it. I can't fault it, whatever it was, but they could have easily, you know, snip some time off, eh, get a scissor pun. I People like, they should have called an audible and changed it. Well, whatever. They still did it. There's going to be a rematch. That's how well-received it was. But it started early with the casino ladder match with a mystery person that came out last after Stokely Hathaway came out in a mask his goons beat up everybody. Morrissey and the guys, Ethan Page, beat up everyone there. He pulled down the chip and this handed some the Joker, which was a guy all in black with a mask, which is obscured, coming out to Sympathy for the Devil, which had to cost a lot of money. Handed it to him. He won the Joker. T's taken off the mask, said, uh-uh-uh, and walked to the back. Now, the theory was that was MJF. Spoiler, it was. And... People were like, from the way he walks, the movements and things, you, you might trick yourself to think it is, but, I mean, everybody who said that was right, and we were pretty confident on it. That didn't get revealed till the end. After the stupidly bloody Punk-Moxley match, Punk bladed so blatantly, and Mox was basically the loser of the match. Punk won, which... I think we all kind of agree he probably shouldn't have. It was really Mox's time to run with this, but this seemed like unfinished business. Now they're going to do the punk run they wanted. And then everything went dark, and a voicemail played from Tony Khan to somebody about letting down fans, making an offer, no contract extension, going very meta with it, which I appreciate because that's very good for MJF in this storyline. And then 
playing a punk bit from ROH about the devil, because that's what MJF would be referencing. Shows the guy from behind taking the mask off, putting the scarf on, MJF music hits, he walks out, motions for the belt, show ends. That is not where AEW ended for the night, but that's where we're going to kind of pause here in our, our timeline. Um, I've seen people talk about how good that de- return was. I almost said debut, but that return was for MJF, who was technically wrestled under the name The Joker. Add that to his names. Uh, I felt that was ridiculous because MJF won out as the hottest thing they had, and they didn't do anything with him for 90 days. Which was, if this was the point and the plan, okay, cool. The first thing is, we talked about the MJF thing, and we had it when Matt was on about, is it real or not? I still thought it might have been a fake thing. Uh, where it, like, or sorry, where it was like, it was legit, the, the discrepancies. By all accounts, this started out as a legit gripe that turned into a storyline. Just because it's a storyline doesn't mean it always was. That's a key thing to remember. And that's going to matter when we come to the next stuff. But with MJF, he returns under a mask to f- dumb music that has nothing to do with him. And nobody knows it's him. Like, that's, that's weird. And then does the return where they're talking about him. And they play this thing. And then his music hits. And yeah, the crowd went nuts for it. But it, it would have just been better if at the very end, he just showed up. I feel that would have been more shocking. Because now people are like, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be. Working themselves up. I, I didn't like it for that reason. I know I'm in the minority on that from what I've seen online, but that's just me. I felt the same about Omega's returns. Being talked about by the ring announcer, deflating from the fact of, oh my god, it's Kenny Omega. But again, that's just two different styles of doing it. That's fair. With, with the show, with the ladder match being... So stupid with Rush and Andrade doing things with not getting the chip, which would end the match, because you could get it any time. Uh, and like the tag match being over long, the Sting stuff and Malachi Black apparently being gone, hugging off camera, hugging the House of Black members, and then blowing a kiss to the fans. Apparently having a conditional release that basically means he can't go to the WWE. Like that's part of this too. What's going on? There's, there's so much from this show that I didn't even mention. And that would be the case anyway. So before we go even deeper with it, uh, GMSG, let's go in the same order. What do you want to talk about from All Out? Well, first I want to say, like, we had strugg- like, we were struggling to remember the five and six matches of the other two shows. This show had 15 matches. And half of them it seemed like they were like three-minute matches. So that doesn't help at all. Dude, I didn't even mention the one with four championships in it with FTR and Wardlow against yeah. the machine guns and lethal, which was good, but yeah. no, none of us cared because yeah. there, there was no stakes <laughs> to it. It was like, that's neat. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, it followed with a 10-second match of uh, the daughter Pennings. <laughs> oh, that was fun, too. And then, oh, yeah, Christian and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy dying yeah. for our sins. Sorry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Jim Ross, thank you for naming him that. Yeah. Um, it was a non-match, but it was for storyline. But you could have cut that. I, there was also two women's matches during all this, and a mixed tag. There's so much on here. It was insane, and the funny thing is, the pacing was better just because it didn't build larger matches after, or not larger, longer matches after a while. Because like the last two or three pay per views, it literally would go after halfway, 15 minutes, 18 minutes, 20 minutes, 23 minutes, 25 minutes. Like, what are you doing? You're just making it longer every time. This time they just went. Short match, long match, short match, long match, almost the entire night. And that, I guess, helped the pacing, even though it was so, just too long. It was exhausting. 
it's um, I, I know wrestling's been compared to like a buffet, but imagine if they had a buffet and then brought out another buffet next to it. It's like I don't need all this. <laughs> what are you doing? It's too much. Yeah. Um. Overall, I mean, it was a really good show. They're just, it was one of the better shows, I should say. There were definitely a lot of little issues. I'd say like, I beer me stole my interference counter. It was pretty funny. Real three matches, and he's like, "Oh, that's the second one." I'm like, "Oh, oh, we're doing this again." Oh no. Like they claimed versus Swerve was great, except for I hate the, these refs. At that point, I had to do a rant in our live event chant. It happened again, where he pulls his three. Yeah, they were pulling their threes. They were literally watching interference happening, doing nothing. Mogs and Punk was bad. They, the guy just watched him walk out into the crowd for two minutes straight. Yep, it, it was just nonstop. I take everything I said about the RA refs. I, I take it. I take it back. <laughs> they at least count. So they sometimes decide if they should or not, but they do. Yeah, like they they know how. <laughs> They'll at least make a story out of it. Yeah, this these refs don't. God, I didn't even mention Jericho and Danielson was a match on here, and like there there was so freaking much. Bear me over to you. What what's your thoughts on all of this? Not like oh, there um, was too much, but like. Because I think that's the misnomer oh, here. Sorry, sorry to cut you off before you even go. We nice. all generally liked the show. That's the weird part. Like, not to, not to harp on it. It was just like, I don't want to eat any more steak. Stop giving me steak. Not saying that it was all perfect steak. But it, I like this show probably better than most any of the other ones they've had. Like, there was a... Nothing stood out horrible on here. Even Cargill versus Athena was pretty good for what it was. Like, they made it work. And that was the weakest one, so... AEW gives you the meat sweats. That's the only way to explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, Barry. Yeah, I did, Go for I it, did yeah. enjoy, I did. I did <laughs> enjoy the show. Except for, yeah, Athena and Jade only getting four minutes and 20 seconds. Like, I don't really know what that's about. But they made it work. But I wish they could have went 15 minutes. That would have been great. Or, you know, Ricky Starks getting squashed in, like, four minutes to... Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, it made Hobbs look great, which is great. But I mean, that Spinebuster. That Spinebuster sold yeah. me on it. Like he died from that. So he did. Uh, I did, did read somewhere that Jade and Athena actually had more time if they wanted it and they didn't use it. Oh wow! That's Jungle Boy and Christian was cut. Obviously, that was cut down. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I read somewhere the two matches had time stuff, and they they didn't go short or have their time cut. Because it felt like it. We kind of commented that night. They could have gone longer if they wanted. Apparently, believe what you want. I, I read that somewhere. Like, who knows if it's true or not. But, yeah, that's the reverse of what you normally hear. But still, what, five match, five minutes for that? So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like... I feel like Ishii and uh, Eddie Kingston was my match of the night. It was oh. just a big old slap fest. And it was great. It was on the pre-show. And I loved every minute of it. The pre-show was really good. You had that on there. You had Pac and Sabian, which was really good. And Hook was on there. So, you know. I mean, Ruby Riot almost died, which kind of sucked. Like, if you go back and watch that, where, like, she gets kicked by Tay, and Sammy just drops her right on her head. Yeah, she's in, like, the the last shot or whatever Hangman calls his Deadeye maneuver. Like, the kind of yeah. behind Tombstone. And he gets hit the head, and she lets go and, like, lands on her neck. I think that looked worse than it was. But in wrestling, you never know, right? Like that. Mm. And then, you know, Tay accidentally broke her nose. 
with the yeah. like Tay to sleep or whatever she calls it, where it's kind of like a spinning go to sleep. It looked brutal, and then we realized, oh, that's why. Um, yeah, that was that was rough. Uh, God, and Samoa Joe bladed or started bleeding because he blinked. I don't know what happened, but he yeah, threw threw a punch. He started bleeding from the forehead. It's he like, threw right. he threw a punch at Satnam Singh returning during the FDR thing. And then next time you see him in the ring, there's blood just coming down his face. Like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. And who knew that the Acclaimed were the most over people in Chicago? I didn't know that. That was I enjoyed that match a lot. I agree with you guys that it went five to ten minutes, maybe too long. But the crowd kind of carried it because they were so into it. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm into it, too. Maybe, maybe the Acclaimed... Like, at one point, I started thinking, what if they do it? Like, this has been going on for so long. I'm like... Maybe they pull it out. I mean, they didn't, but they're getting their rematch. So yeah, I had a, an outside They'll chance thinking they there. might win. I'm like, they kind of like the, maybe they'll pull that trigger on them. I don't know, but maybe, but probably not here. And then during the match, it's like okay. But I know GMSG was saying it too. Like there was a few po- points where that match should have rightfully ended with the same outcome they had. But it was like, why are we still going? What's what are we doing here? <laughs> this is we're yeah. good like we don't need five more ten more minutes of this we're good but yeah also with the mjf coming back stuff it's kind of gets overshadowed with what happens uh after in yeah. the media scrum and afterwards you know but it all kind of comes full circle i'm not gonna take credit for this i see it online remember when wardlow and mjf was gonna happen and it was supposed to be wardlow's big night because of mjf nobody talked about wardlow yep Kind of came full circle now. Nobody's talking about MJF. They're just talking about all the stuff that happened afterwards. Yeah. I feel like if that wouldn't have happened, like if Punk wouldn't have done all the stuff and the Elite and they wouldn't have all got into it, you'd be looking at this paper and people would be talking about it really, really well. But now nobody wants to talk about it. And everybody's like, oh, it's going downhill, you know? But I thoroughly enjoyed the pay per view and I, I thought it was really good. Now, Red, what about you? Actually, here's the fun part. Red didn't make it to the end. I think you went before Danielson nope. and Jericho. But we knew, we kind of figured, because like they're going to midnight, and you normally make it to like 10 or 11. And I know it's a running joke, but Red gets up at like 3 or 4 in the morning sometimes. So long days are long days. And this was after a four-hour show earlier in the day and all the work we were doing. Yeah, fair. Fair enough. That's, yep. Put Put your personal life first, everybody. Don't push yourself too far. Like don't don't burn yourself out don't don't kill yourself over this stuff. It's supposed to be fun. Did you go back and watch the rest of the show? Is my first I question. Looked at clips. I, cool. <laughs> I didn't really go back and watch the full thing, but I did watch clips. Okay, so here's the question then: of what you saw and the clips, what were your thoughts on the show? Oh, the main event was awesome. That Acclaim versus Swerve versus McGlory <laughs> was the best match of the night. I really enjoyed it and. That's my top three of the whole weekend. Like, I, I, I hear a lot of complaints about it went too long, it went too long. The way I saw it was the crowd was into it. Feed them more. Like, it was very entertaining throughout the entire match. And I can see why people were complaining about it being too long, but I kind of wanted the five minutes. Like, the way that the crowd was really into it, it made me get into it even more. And the back and forth, I would have loved more. Um,. Kickoff was probably one of the better kickoffs I've seen in some time for all the pay-per-views. It was four really good matches. And normally they don't give a lot of those away for free. Now, I don't know if it's because all out decided to book 16 matches and decided we can't fit them all in 
four hours, so we have to do a free for matches. But um, all the, the I agree with Jimmy. This was one of the better AEW shows I've seen in quite some time. The ladder match, other than being a ladder match and being a clusterfuck for what it is, it did have a weird ending of this cult like messed up retribution part two like crap coming out and what's his name yokely uh it is now stokely, stokely <laughs> hathaway malcolm stokely bivens hathaway. we knew we knew him as bivens yeah yes malcolm bivens I, i'm trying to learn the new names but i like yokely he, though that's pretty good he climbed up and it reveals it's him it's like okay so is he the joker like oh no the joker hasn't came out yet so it's like I, I got really confused. I mean, story-wise, I got it, but kind of wanted him to be the chip holder and see where he goes with this, with this whole uh, team and cult or whatever you want to call it with all the guys in Black Mask. Um, yeah, I learned how to use ladders, though. God, I, I don't understand. Like, whatever Cesaro was trying to do with like, yeah. the A-frame <laughs> flipping and side, like, I get he was like, crap, I've, I've dug myself into a hole. Let me figure out how to get out of this. While Andrade's like rodeo clown up there trying to hold on. It's like it, it kind of killed the match like speed. It clearly I mean, I looked like it was supposed to be an X with one on top. Oh, yeah. But and, it just didn't bend right. And you could and... tell they didn't test that. It's like, or they had the wrong wrong. It's like, uh-oh. But he's so strong he was able to hold it. And they saved it. I'm not saying it was it ruined the match. It just yeah. slowed the pacing because you knew something's like, oh shit. I it had the same feel money the bank has. Where when things don't go right, that still works because that's kind of the point. Because ladders don't yeah. cooperate, it works. Like you can run with it. It's okay. We started complaining this when we first saw the rules. If it's first come first serve, you don't have to wait for everybody. How many times did we sit there and just watch people watch people coming out to the ring instead of you know what? Screw this. I'm going to knock this first guy out and go climb it and win and screw the other six people. Yeah. Like, I, they toyed I with didn't that. get that. They toyed with that a bit. And commentary was like, why is Andrade taking his gear off slow? And why is Roosh taking his gear? He's got to go stop him. He's got to get in there. Like, commentary was talking about it, which made me feel like even the guys didn't know the, the logistics of it. It's like, get in there. The, like, the rule just needs to be removed. Like, it's, let's be honest. It's very it silly. Really just needs to be removed. Well, the stupidest thing to, to chime in on that was at one point Andrade and Roosh were there and they're together. And they're looking at it, and it's like, well, you can go get it. We, we can go get it. It's like, no, no, hold on. Let's set this some, some stuff over us. They went and attacked some guys, beat somebody up, came back in, and then went to go get it. And that's when the Cesaro thing happened. And it's like, you could have just won. Like, just go, go get it. Like, you don't have to wait. What are you, what are you doing? It, it didn't make any sense. I know in our Discord chat, people were like, well, they want to prove a point and do some stuff. Cool, beat them with a ladder afterwards. Like, if you make a rule where it can end at any time, they're going to have to pull that trigger one of these days. To do that. But can you imagine if a Royal Rumble could end at any time if you're just the last one there? Steve Austin in 2001 comes out and throws everybody out as number 19 and the match is over because there's nobody left. Number 20 doesn't get to come out. That's what it was. Why would you want to be late in the draw of the casino ladder match when it could end 5 to 10 minutes before you even get there? What's the... That makes no sense. I guess the risk is, oh, you'll be fresher. It's stupid. It's stupid. But I'm sorry. I totally tangented off of your thing. Keep going. Keep going. You're good. Um, the only other match that I really enjoyed, I mean, like, really enjoyed the others were fine, but really enjoyed, was shockingly the World Trios Championship match. Like, 
I'm not the biggest fan of Omega Young Bucks. I don't care about them. I just hate the way that they got booked of we win everything because we're in charge. And I still hate the fact that they won this. But the match itself was very entertaining. Like, Dark Order needs more credit than what they are. I, I'm Me, it feels like without, uh, and I hate to say this, uh, the Wyatt brother. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. The one that passed away. Oh, Brody Lee. Oh, Brody Lee, they're nothing. And that's the way they've been treated. And I'm like, they're really good in the ring. And having Adam, Adam can take the role of Brody Lee as the leader. I know they're trying to split him away from him, and he came back to help them. But the other two guys are really good in the ring. And I I think they should have won. It, it, it is the elite. You, they have to be the first of everything. So Now, I, I will say with the Dark Order, like th- just to counter it a little bit, yeah, they've never won the tag titles. They've never won any of the, the single stuff. Because Anna Jay was going after the women's at one point, And Ten was going after the TNT. And, like, they've had shots at damn near everything. And they've been used in focal points. Beyond Dark, just to be clear. Because they, they had the big matches with the Elite, teaming with Hangman, before. So it's not like they've done nothing with them. But they've never really come out winning in those. And that is different, to be fair. Uh, but they they have been used, but they always seem to come up short when these things happen. And I think I said it to CT during this match, and everybody was kind of agreeing. That was easily Kenny Omega's best match in a while. And that's not just because he was off for 10 months. It wasn't a typical Kenny Omega or Young's bu- Young Bucks match. It just had a better feel and flow to it where I was buying into things because this, I guess the trios format benefits them where it doesn't have the same structure their normal one does because hangman's awesome he's really good and silver and reynolds are all kinds of great and they just worked really well together i love that match it was super good but none of these matches beat out your your favorite from worlds collide nope like i said ricochet and hayes was my number one match of the weekend Uh, if you want to know i will say gunther and sheamus was number two and then swerve and glory and acclaim was number three the all out main event, cool, cool. Uh, did you see clips of the other ones, Danielson and Jericho, or uh, just just the main house? Of, like I didn't see any of the six man with House of Black and okay. other than uh, Alakai saying goodbye. I saw nothing of Jericho and Danielson. Christian Cage, you can watch on like in two minutes. Wasn't yeah. that like some beat down and oh, yeah. quick pin and. I have not seen anything of Punk and Moxley, but I really didn't care. Like I, I figured Punk was going to win after his big rant on Dynamite beforehand. I hate the whole fact that they had Moxley carry the company for three months and not to continue with it. Like I feel like you already gave him the stepping stool, have him continue with it, but Punk's money, guys, and now he's not. Well, no, he is. He well, he, he was. Uh, he yeah. he was that. That's what I meant. Yes. yes. <laughs> um. The thing with Moxley is he's the champion. That I mean, that's what the interim means, whether they like like it or not. Interim champion means you're the guy holding down the fort in the meantime. When the real champ comes back, let's see who's really better. And in many cases, I think I mentioned this on a prior one, or it might have been in a voice chat. Uh, the interim champion loses because the real champ is back and beats them. Sometimes the interim does win and they take on as the real champion. And we've seen that with things in ROH even with Mercedes Martinez had that moment. And now 
uh, Moxley did it two weeks ago. So it does happen, but yeah, the match Moxley and Punk, it wasn't super great. Like it wasn't even memorable in it because I just find much like people try to say Lita hasn't missed a step. She has. She literally misses steps. She gasses. She's a bit clumsy. And I don't mean to knock her on that, but it's factual. <laughs> like she, she's not as good as she was. That's what I mean. That's Punk. It's, I'd say to a lesser extent, but you can just kind of see it. He's not as good as he was back in the heyday that everybody loves of the 2012-2014 stuff. He's not as good as he was then. And it shows. But you can still get around that because like, wrestlers at this age are still fine. Main event level guys, it's, they can still do it. But Moxley is clearly on another level right now. And I, I agree he probably should have won that, but yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes because uh, now, now we get to the after part. Um, yeah, so they had a media scrum, <laughs> which they do. And WWE had one too. They relate to YouTube, but they had one afterwards talking about stuff. And Roman Reigns had the best thing when he someone just asked how Cardiff was, and he made the reporter acknowledge him, and then left. It was great. Turns out that wasn't the biggest baller move of a press conference <laughs> of the weekend. Um. To summarize this, because there's been a lot, there's been a lot of alleged stuff, a lot of reported stuff, but from what we saw on the scrum itself, Punk just started ranting about Colt Cabana and their friendship, and I'm not going to go into details about that, because he did, and you can go watch it on the AEW YouTube channel. Uh, but he just ranted about it, and he said it's embarrassing us to address this stuff. And then he mentioned how Hangman, um, I believe he called him an empty-headed bonehead, uh, went into business for himself during a promo mentioning him because of the rumor that we'd heard before about Cabana being moved to ROH to not be there with Punk. And that's been disproven by some, but it, it still came up. And that's, again, a whole thing. But Punk is like, why should I have to address that? Why is he doing this? You've got EVPs doing things and they couldn't even run a target. Which for any international view that's a uh, an american chain like a walmart we used to have them in canada but they went bankrupt after two years anyway um tony khan sitting next to cm punk while he does this eating muffins from a local bakery and everybody sounded like their voice was pitch shifted on the voice speaker from home alone which i'll take full credit or give that to twitter someone mentioned it i forget who it was but they all sounded kind of like this and it's whatever it was weird but Punk went off, and you can see Tony Khan just hating life in that moment. And then, as if that wasn't enough, because, oh my god, what is CM Punk doing? This is insane. He just did all this crapping on MJF's return. Uh, allegedly, and this is again being pieced together, and there's actual legal investigations happening now, so the, the truth will come out at some point, uh, because the law is involved. But there was a fight. And punches were thrown, a chair was literally thrown, and biting was involved. And it came out that Ace Steel threw a chair at Nick Jackson and gave him a black eye and knocked him out. Bit Kenny Omega. Punk was throwing punches. And this is all because the EVPs, Kenny Omega and the Bucks, the trio's tag team champions, allegedly kicked open the door of CM Punk's locker room, which might be exaggerated. He might have just, they might have barged in, they might have walked in irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, but this is what we're hearing. 
and had a confrontation. There was yelling and punches thrown, and Punk was throwing punches. That was breaking like two or three in the morning, and immediately everything about the pay-per-view is secondary. Immediately everything from WWE is secondary because this dominated everything. And of course, people came out and said, it's a work. Now, to be clear, what we said about a work and a shoot before, because we talked about this with Double or Nothing with MJF, if it's, if it's a work and this is a storyline to get you to buy something, what are they selling you? What story are we selling between Colt Cabana, Ace Steel, and the Elite with CM Punk? What, what are we doing? The storyline is CM Punk and MJF. That's what the show ended with. Why are we doing this? At 3 in the morning on Labor Day. Because it was Sunday night into Monday morning. It's, it's not real. But maybe. Because you never know, right? Well, I think we can pretty obviously see now that it, it, it was real. Because like, the story now is that because of what happened... Tony Khan came out on Dynamite tonight and stripped the World Championship and Trios Championship because of what happened after All Out. That's basically a, that's a paraphrase quote. He did not mention names or why he was doing it. But to go back to this. Um, yeah, apparently there's super heat on Punk. There was a meeting yesterday between Punk and Steel and Khan, like 4 o'clock to determine potentially leaving the company. This is a lot of alleged stuff, but the, the key to this is it's not just rumors. And that's a big part of this, too, because it's a lot of sources mentioning this. These things happened to some degree. It's the specifics that are not confirmed. And you can even see during one of the scrums with Swerve, during the scrum, security running. And after Jericho was done, mentioning something happened. So, like, and there was a talent meeting today. And the elite were stripped of their titles and Death Triangle got it after a 30-minute vacancy. They're the champions now. And there's a tournament for Grand Slam for a new world champion. Without MJF, because they're treating it like it's cash-in now or something. So that's its own thing. So, yeah, it's not a work. I'm, I'll bet everything on that, because what are they selling you? Either they're selling you a storyline that makes no sense, that they've just neutered, on TV, but we were calling this this before, and negated the past five hours of a pay per view. So it's not it's not what the whole the whole point of work is to sell you on something. What are they selling you? What match are they selling you? It's it's not a work. It isn't. So yeah, many people were saying that Punk needs to go, and when you see the same problems happening time and time again and like punk left wwe and you see the stuff people said about him then hmm you see what the promos were saying like eddie kingston and hangman and yes be clear here guys these are wrestling po promos by wrestling people on a wrestling tv show they blur lines the miz talked about it the miz and edge had that where edge said he needs to be a better friend to keep his friend from getting fired this happens on wrestling all the time Roman told Theory, your daddy's not here anymore after Vince retired. This is not uh, too far of a line to cross. So let's be clear on that. Especially with what MJF was saying tonight when Mox got pissed off. Or was it story or what? So that, that's the line we're used to seeing. But that's the line we're used to seeing. This has nothing to do with any of that. This is like basically assault. Criminal attacks. And 
when you have someone going off on a press conference, clearly not a good representative of your company, someone you want to be in the figurehead position. And that's what I was saying before about the person in charge of things, the person running things, the person who's the figurehead or the face of it. You see that person. And then you spin around to have that person confronted by three executives. From any other perspective, three executives confronted an employee. That you, that you should know. Three executives confronted an independent contractor. Also no. They outnumbered him. Uh, no, you, you, this is not how you act. This is not how you act as a person who's representing the champion, championship, the company, the television. This is, this is not how you act for Punk's side. But also, you don't go confront someone three-on-one like that because you don't like what he said. Apparently, the head of their legal department was also there. Like, there's, there's, there's a lot here about this that this is both sides are bad i know people are looking at both sides of things like punk's history with wwe i know full credit i'll mention bomber with his videos he talked about cm punk and czw and mentioned him there before that's how i know that history and there's a lot there too so there's just a lot of insanity with punk and when you see this happen time and time again you start to see that that person is the problem. And it's CM Punk. He shouldn't have said these things. But should Hangman have said these things? And it's a he said, she said, right? Like, where where is the start? Where is the good positivity on that? But then the executives did their thing, and it's turned into a fight, and they're all apparently suspended. And legitimately, there were stories going today that by the... Or yesterday, the, by the end of today, CM Punk will either be suspended or gone. None of this was a thing as of midnight Sunday, going into Monday, like the end of Sunday night. <sighs> so as I take a breath on that, <laughs> what the hell does anybody want to chime in with on this? Because, like, people are taking sides. They're all bad. Like, neither of them are in the right here. It's ridiculous. Let's get that clear. But... Does anybody want to jump in? I'll, I'll go around the table the same way again. GMSG, what do you got? Uh, well, it's also interesting that uh, Tony didn't mention the supposed injury to Punk from his match. Also as a reason to drop the title. Yes. Bicep injury, I believe it was. Torn bicep during the match. People said it was yeah. during the fight, but it was during the match. It's the same as his foot. Because we heard, I think Matt was there. Matt Zion mentioned to us. He, he wasn't hurt hopping over the rope. It was pivoting somewhere and then going over the barricade. Like, where did it happen? People were trying to figure it out. Same deal here. Was it in the match? Was it during the fight? Can you cover for one or the other? But, yeah. And the, oh, the whole argument of sides thing. It's like, if your head does not stop a talent from doing something, the next would be the vice president. And he told him to come to him. And then I think I saw something from Forbes didn't denying that so I don't you, you, you're breaking up uh, Jimmy so you're breaking up very bad yeah I know we got something about Forbes denying so if you want to do that part over again yeah supposedly Forbes has been denied that uh, an EVP went to them so 
either someone's lying amongst them, Punk or the EVPs or Forbes, who knows? The, this whole thing looks bad, and it should have been settled months ago with what's going on backstage there, and things are getting worse every week, so... Yeah, Tony Khan could have at any moment been an actual boss and said, don't talk about this here. Stop. At any time. Yeah. Any time. And if Punk said, I no, mean, I'm going to talk about it. No, no, you're not. Like, be a man and stop him. <laughs> he instantly targeted the media, too. He said, fuck you. If you're part of this, fuck you. If you're n- or, I'm sorry if you're not. Yeah. And here's the thing. Nearly 24 hours before, Seth Rollins actually was targeted by one of the media guys, and he played it off cool and went, oh, okay. Punk didn't, and that's not good for them, and it won't be good for them. And now they're stuck in this loophole of probably half their roster wanting to fight the other half. And there were supposedly reports of Thunder Rosa getting a fight the other week, and Tony even mentioned, or Tony Storm even said she's supposedly injured. When she decides she's not injured and comes back, yeah, you, you don't decide when you're not injured anymore. So what's that statement mean? It's not a good look. And usually they say what type of injury. They're just not saying anything about her. Yeah, after the historic amount of times they would say flat out what's going on. And then suddenly they're going quiet on things. It's like, no, guys, you, you're doing the thing that you claim everybody else does. And you're good that you don't. No, you're doing it. So what? what's happening here? What's going on? Bear this me. also doesn't help. Oh, oh I was going to just add the small part. Yeah. It doesn't help that just a few days before Tony Khan tried defending the fact that he only gave Thunder Rosa a minute of time to talk about her relinquishing the title, but Punk got 10 minutes and he just didn't def- stop Punk from attacking everyone. Yeah, he justified that by saying that Punk is a bigger draw than Rosa, which I think I even mentioned that on the podcast. But still, that doesn't mean that you don't give her time. It means that you should give her time as well. But if you can only afford so much time, well, I, I, it's it's a hard thing. And I've tried to equate this to, like, equality and pay. I know this is a weird topic, but hear me out. If it's a normal job, yes, equality, because there's no differences in it. But if we're talking about something like drawing power and whatnot, when you're looking at things and you go down the path of stuff like, I think it was the movie Passengers, Chris Pine, no, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Chris Pratt's in Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic World, Jennifer Lawrence's Hunger Games. and Okay, so they're both big draws. But one's a bigger draw internationally than the other. And, like, you're looking at drawing power, not just gender. And that's why he got paid more, because he had more bigger drawing movies than she did at that point. It's not a matter of equality by gender. He's in the biggest movie ever at that point, because Avengers hadn't come out. Like, like, that's what it is. There's a certain level here with Punk and Thunder Rosa... I know it's not quite that simple, but Thunder Rosa isn't selling out every arena. Punk is. Does that make things right? No! Give her more than a minute. Give her three. Give her four. Like, you don't need to give her the same. But a minute is... Like, it wasn't even a full minute, right? It was like 50 seconds. That's, that's, that's crap, too. Like, you can justify it, but it doesn't mean to give an eighth or tenth of the time. That's stupid, because she's not a tenth of the draw. She did sell out Dynamites with Britt for that main event cage match. That's legit. So, yeah. Sorry, I tangent. It's tangent night for me. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> About the whole uh, Punk Thunder Rosa thing real quick. 
I feel like the women could be a big draw if they just gave them time. But Tony Khan just doesn't want to do that. Okay, so it's kind of weird how, you know, it kind of seems like maybe one guy was holding all the glue together in the back, and when he left, it all just became kind of a big shitstorm. Just going to throw that out there. And I think we all need to apologize to Big Swole, or not me, or us, but people need to, because I remember when she said the stuff about TK in the locker room and all that, and she got crucified on Twitter and everywhere else, but... Back to back to punk. I mean, what were we expecting here? Like he was a problem. It's been a problem pretty much everywhere he's went, right? Like you have WWE and like Scott, I think you said with the CCW stuff, I'm not really well versed in to that stuff, but you said there was even some stuff there that might have happened. So, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, I'm pretty sure it's a duck. So I just don't get why people are so shocked that this could happen again. And like I say all the time, that Triple H promo is kind of, on Sam Punk is kind of being more true each day. Tony Khan handled this all wrong. Sam Punk handled this all wrong. Depending on what the Elite did, they handled it, they might have handled it wrong too, but, you know, so, it's just a whole big messed up situation. And, I don't know what you really do to fix all this. I mean, probably fire Punk. Obviously, Ace Steel's gone. You could fire Punk. He could stay. But even if you... Even if you kind of mend this, when's going to be the next time this happens? I mean, it's not just Hangman cutting that promo on him. Eddie Kingston cut that promo on him. MJF's cut that promo on him. I have a feeling there's not too many people in that back that really like CM Punk. I mean, maybe Mox. Because Punk said that he likes Mox. So maybe they're cool. But, like, I don't know. I just don't really know. How do you fix this? You need some... I don't think there's anybody that can fix this. Like, realistically, I don't know what you do to do it. Is there somebody back there that you should make as, like, a talent relations manager or something to, like... That's Christopher Daniels. He was involved in the fight. (laughs) Exactly. Like, you can't... See, I'm trying to think. I don't know what you do. I don't know if you guys have any ideas, but I don't know what you do to fix this. Besides letting either Punk go, and obviously Steel's gone, but I'd, I'd, I'd cut bait with Punk at this point. I would. Obviously, you don't need him anymore. Yeah. No, things you were can, things were fine before people. he came in. He boosted some numbers. He caused some chaos. He made things a mess for a lot of people. Am I describing CM Punk in AEW, or am I describing Hulk Hogan in WCW? He got massive crowds. People never expected it. Brought talent over you never thought you'd see. Things went crazy, and then the inmates ran the asylum, and it all went to hell. I've described both companies pretty much exact, except we haven't gone to hell yet. Except we did. This is worse than anything that ever happened in WCW during the Hogan stuff. I mean, okay, there was the Sid, Vader, Scissor fight, but you know what I mean? That wasn't because of him. Like, that was, yeah. True. So, like, it's the same situation. And Tony Schiavone was there for it. So you know he's got to be telling Tony Khan, like, dude, stop this. And when, when you guys are saying, like, Tony Khan didn't handle it right, he didn't handle it at all. He just sat there and let it happen and be like, oh, God. I've seen people saying, if you get rid of Punk, like, what are you going to do? You're going to lose all those viewers. Well, first off, we can go to GMC for the numbers on that. But the more important part is, it's worth it. You cut the cancer out. You don't keep them if you're dying while you have it. 
And I know CM Punk would have draws, whatever, but the optics are just bad on this at this point. But if CM Punk is bringing you viewers, but he's causing this much chaos to your company in year three, he's not worth having. It's better to lose those viewers. Ask Impact. They know what it's like. Again, with Hulk Hogan. Right. They're still around because they got rid of that when they could. I'm not saying CM Punk will destroy the company, but he'll destroy its morale because we've already seen that. Like, Also to the point where like, it was allegedly reported that it, they've, the EVPs are like, well, it's either us or it's Punk. I don't know about you, but I might take the EVPs side here because one, they're major parts of the company. Two, they helped start it. I don't know. I get that Tony Khan loves CM Punk. You know, I, I get that a lot of people do. I, I don't personally. But if that's true, and he if he were to pick CM Punk over the EVPs, then then just set the whole company on fire because it's never gonna. I'm not gonna say that it won't be good, but if Punk's there, it's just bad. Like all this negative stuff that has come out in, like, a while has all just been around CM Punk. One guy. One guy. It's just one dude. If you get rid of that guy, it'll make the workplace, it'll make everybody a lot happier. I feel like nobody's going to miss the guy around there, I wouldn't think, except for Tony Khan. It's just, it's frustrating. It really is. It's not worth it. It's, it's not. really not worth it. And when you look at things, like, you think about, like, oh, there's been the, the rumblings now when people have made videos about it, about Kenny Omega deb debuting at the Royal Rumble. It's like, well, when you think about it, the EVPs allegedly, like, they confronted Punk and attacked him. Now, that's not good. <laughs> that's not someone you want to bring into your locker room either. Now, not to make it like, oh, but it's okay because of this. Because there's this, the talk about it was self-defense. Because, I mean... At some point, a chair got thrown. Was that first or later? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> think of it this way. The people in WWE, like Triple H and them, they know what Punk was like. They might be like, yeah, I get it. And overlook it. Like, you never you never know. It's it, Wrestling's insane. And so is real life. And you think, you think about all the history about people who don't get along, the backstage fights, the plane ride from hell, the Montreal screw job. Like, when things got real, this is insane. This is so insane. Somehow, this has trumped Vince retiring. Somehow, this has trumped Steve Austin wrestling at Mania. Like, this is the new story now. This is it. And I don't know what could top that. And I'm scared saying that. But, Red, we haven't gone to you yet for this insanity. Um, any comments on this stupidness? None that I want to put on here. Um... <laughs> No, to be uh, no for real. Like we don't censor ourselves here. To be to be clear on it, but put it like, like this. Yeah, go like go ahead. Only needs to make an example and put his big boy pants on and fire punk. Yes. If he does not, if he suspends him and he shows back up in an AW ring, you lose all credibility with your locker room. Nobody wants to work for you anymore. Because it doesn't even matter who was right, who was wrong. It, you brought in. A stranger to your family because you thought it would be better. It was fine, and then this happens. You sit there and you side, no matter who's right or wrong, you end up siding with Punk over your uh, EVPs. You just lost all credibility in your locker room. It's, it's, that's my opinion. 
I get what you're saying as far as the EVP shouldn't have gone in there, gung-ho, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Uncle opened his mouth. You want to talk to me? Come find me. He did. Like, it, that's bluntly simple what they did. Yeah. You asked for them, you got them. You can't be pissed off that they came to your door. What do you expect? Now, is there a professional way to do that? Of course there is. Yeah, they shouldn't have gone they, to his door, for one. <laughs> but they're wrestlers. These are the kind of people they are. Yeah, yeah. He went to the business for himself during that media scrum. He did, yes. That's really what it comes down to. Is you didn't put the company first. You put Punk first. Because you put Punk first, basically right now, it looks like you only care about you and not the show. Which I think we all agree he, is him to a T for the past decade. Get rid of Punk, you're fine. I, I think the uh, Young Bucks and Hangman, they got slapped on the wrist. Um, I think they're going to come back and just continue. Like It will be a blemish on AEW's record, but I think it's a blemish they can get over. Yeah, I like that. I like that comment. And I agree with the, the Omega Bucks thing because there's a level of we had to do it because you didn't. If you picture their conversation with Tony Khan, it's like you let them keep you just let them keep going. Like, what the hell? You got to stand up. We had to do something about it. And yeah, it's buying closed doors with a fight. Not a good way to do it. Like, I'm not condoning that. But when you put the part of these guys are wrestlers, like also the Bucks and Omega, they're like video game nerds, but they're still wrestlers. Like, they're still guys doing physical stuff and doing all this stuff. I get like I'm not condoning anything. I'm not saying it's understandable. Like, it, it should never have come to that. And it's horrible to use the word, but, but you see why? You're like, I get it. <laughs> I understand why they did it. Shouldn't have done it. Can I be such a big of a person to say I wouldn't do it myself? I'd like to, but I truly don't know. Maybe I would end up in a, a screaming match or a shouting match with someone if they did that kind of thing to me. As a matter of fact, I have. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild thing to really look at that and try to be like, say, oh, it should have been this. Put yourself in their shoes and it, it might go differently. And clear point, you're still probably in the wrong because you did it. There, like, there's nobody in the right on this. Hangman shouldn't have said what he said. Punk shouldn't have done what he did that led to that. The whole Cole Cabana thing shouldn't have been what it, Like, on every level, Punk really the catalyst because they're trying to say who created who. Punk was an idiot at that press conference scrum. Flat out, making it about himself, doing stuff, and shitting on everything. Calling the EVPs boneheads. What are you doing? They're your bosses. They're also your co-workers. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? That makes no sense. And then, for the EVPs to go confront him, Okay, well, there's a level of that where it's like, we got to do this, we got to be professional about it, but if they barge in to fight him, come on, what's happening here? Like, hey, remember when the biggest story was Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out? That was a thing, right? That was wild. Remember those back olden days of three months ago? Not even. Like, this, I, I, I don't, yeah, we could talk about this forever. We, I joked about this, saying that we could talk about this stuff before we even knew about tonight's news uh, for a solid hour. And we have. And that's not even counting anything else regarding the three shows that happened. So, to pull all this forward, the trio's titles were vacated. We have a four-day reign. Three-day reign, basically. Uh, Death Triangle got it, because Death Triangle and Orange Cassidy and Best Friends were going to have a trio's match anyway, so they made that be for the titles. 
And it wasn't Hangman and Dark Order, because apparently a Dark Order member was hurt. I only knew that because of BTE. And the only reason that GMSG knew that was because they mentioned it after the match happened. So new champions there. They've made a tournament of champions, which is... Uh, it's got Mox, Jericho, Danielson, because he's a former world champion, blah, blah, blah. Plus uh, Guevara and Allen, who are TNT champs. And I think I'm forgetting one through all that list. But that tournament happened. I don't even know where that went yet because I've not been paying attention to Dynamite has ended, but that's moot. That finishes at Grand Slam. Just for the record, Danielson and Jericho uh, had different points of the tournament, and they're both still in it anyway, even though Jericho beat him clean on the weekend, but I digress. Uh, that That's happening, so the champion will be declared. MJF isn't in it. Also, Tournament of Champions. Put Sting in it, 12-time world champion. Put Miro in it, former TNT champion. He and Darby are at the same level here. What are we doing with that? And you could even just put, like Bimmer said, put Wardlow in it. Because it's Wardlow. Why not? Like, there's so many guys they could have put in there, but only champions. Fair enough. Okay. New world champion will be crowned. And then MJF's going to clearly beat them. Probably at the end of the tournament, and he'll leave Arthur Ashe Stadium as the champion. Let's be honest here. That's probably what's happening. And we'll have this ridiculous world title situation through all this. The acclaimed were so over, they're getting a rematch at, at Arthur Ashe. Like, it's... Okay, they're doing a lot of stuff there, but let's let's kind of pause on that because there's one more piece of insane news that happened on Monday. Braun Strowman came back, and I know a lot of us were calling for that. We figured it was inevitable. You can go back and listen to our podcast from a year ago where we were absolutely flabbergasted by the fact that they released him because you find a spot for him on your roster. The fact that he made one little appearance at Final Battle, and then I think he just did control your narrative otherwise in some shows. EC3, for the record, has gone on praising him, saying it's awesome. Put CYN, the TV show, in a weird position, but he's never going to blame him because he's doing good. Happy day for him. So that's cool. But Braun's back. He looks great. He looks like he's going to smash everybody. It's super fun. Let's end us on this positive part, and we'll go in the reverse order. Red, Braun Strowman's back. Yeah. <laughs> I explained it more. That's, Come on. Yeah. Don't force it. Right. No. Do you? Do yes you? No. Yeah. So, at Spoil with Gargano, the unannounced, the surprise, all that was amazing. I knew about Braun for about four or five days now based on the dirt sheets, and it wasn't as good. With that being said, him being back in WWE, he looks fucking amazing. Like, he looks lean. I just want them to get rid of the damn train shit. Like, make him the monster he was when he first started. This train thing, I get it's over with the crowd. I, I, it lowers him, in they, my opinion, as far as the wrestler goes. Well, they didn't play the sound effect, thankfully. That was gone. That was only, like, one or two times. Yeah, but they, did, but they still they didn't do it. They got a lot of backlash for yeah, it. But they like, still, they like, knew better. <laughs> yeah, but they did do it, and I just... He did his thing because that's over. If he, He's going to probably be a bad guy quick. I'm thinking he's going to go over to SmackDown and be smashing people because him and Cross, I could see it get, working together against against Drew. CYN. Kind of, like when they, the rumors of him showing up and we heard about Miz and uh, Bobby Lashley, I don't want Braun versus Bobby. Oh, that sounds like good the too. First feud back. Yeah. I think that would have been great. And then now it's he's going to SmackDown. It's like, could have been. Now, the, we never know. We'll get it eventually. I yeah. But it's good he's back. Like I said, like it's everything is good with him back. Let's let's. I think that's the clear part of it. We're we're enjoying what's happening. 
Um, as far as for the dirt sheets, I didn't know until I went looking specifically. Like, I just don't read them. So, I know uh, you did, because part of Prediction League, we want to win, and we're looking up odds and rumors and stuff, and there we go, but, and that just comes up, but I avoid that stuff as best I can. I, we have a spoiler chat in our Discord. If you go to our Discord, you can go read that. I have it muted, because I don't want to read spoilers. I'd much rather have stuff happen and enjoy it. So, that's me. People are different. I get that. But, bear me. Braun. Happy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm expecting that. like I, yeah, it's great. It's like yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I okay. Look, I'm not gonna sound bad because I do like Braun. I like him in the ring. He's one of the most athletic big men out there. I can't. Parts of me just can't get over the fact that they never put the world title on when it was white hot. Like when he had that feud with Brock and he did all the stuff with Roman and they just never gave him a belt. I still do like Braun. I'm glad that he's back, and now he's on SmackDown. Maybe we get Braun versus Gunther. That would intrigue me. I would like that a lot. Two big men just going at it. It'd be great. That out of yeah, context, I'm, I'm yep, I'm, that clip exists. Yep, yep, yeah. And <laughs> I'm happy that he's back. I mean, he can feud again with Roman. I don't really want that right now. but He's the guy or, Roman pinned to win the Universal Championship yeah. in the Triple Threat. Yeah, you could probably do that. Well, yeah, you could probably set that up for maybe Rumble or something if you really wanted to, but I don't know if I want that yet. I mean, he just came back, so maybe I'm feud with Karrion Cross. I'm trying to think of other people. Like, I don't know how they're going to book him, if they're going to book him as face or heel. It's like, I'm guessing he'll be a face because the crowd just pops for him and, and loves him. But overall, thumbs up. I'm I'm happy that Braun is back. Yeah, he's, Braun is tailor-made for WWE. Like when he's like custom made and he's one of their earlier PC success stories to come through that, that whole factory too. Right. And to the point of the, the world title thing, like he's even talked about that in interviews on the network where it's like, they just said like, this is not the time. Like if circumstances were different, we'd be going with you, but not right now. That's because of Lesnar or Roman or whatever. It's like, I'm doing everything right, but they're still saying no, that was the Vince time frame. Admittedly, that's part of it too. With what we have now, it's a whole different ballgame. Like, he came back, so that's step one, right? So, we'll see, we'll see. GMC, I know you were excited. I'll turn it over to you last year. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I instantly was watching, and I yelled in our podcast chat about it. So, I'm happy. Um, it's weird that they put him on Raw because or SmackDown because uh, him being there makes uh, Gunther and Cross look tiny. Like, the only people that are as big as him is Corbin and Drew, so it's going to be a little interesting. Um, I just want to see where it goes. I mean, he destroyed a lot of people on Raw. Hey, he came out during the four-team uh, number one contendership match and just beat people up, which is fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's always fun. So that was good to see. This may be just a little fantasy booking uh, the future. I'm waiting for Braun versus Braun. We joked about that for a while, too. I, I want to see that match. Now that he's in yeah. WWE and it's official, I want the main roster call-up. I want to see the two big boys throw each other around. I could see that. I could easily see that. I'm actually he suddenly... duplexing him. No, he'll try. I'm suddenly excited for the idea of NXT back in the Rumble because we might actually be back to that point. Right? Like, they weren't really in the Rumble. They were really in Survivor Series. We might get back to that. 
at certain levels. I know they treat it, it's truly a developmental brand, and Triple H went on record with the Ariel Hawani interview, which was a fantastic hour-long interview. Go check it out. I, I, it was awesome. But, yeah, you never know, right? You'll still have guys here and there. It's totally possible. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's a good kind of topic to kind of end on. I know, GMSG, there was one last piece because of Pat McAfee is signed on for game day. Now, I don't know what game day is. I'm a Canadian who doesn't care about American football, especially collegiate, but it's a big deal, right? Yeah, it's usually like the biggest rivalry game of the week in college football Saturday mornings, so he's going to be there at like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. talking football, so doing SmackDown somewhere in the U.S. and then flying over for morning show and then probably flying home to Indiana, that's too much. And WWE said, no. Have your good four months. Come back when you're done. Which is awesome. Like, that shows how much they like him. And plus, they can say WWE superstar Pat McAfee is on ESPN's game day. <laughs> right? Like, that's the kind of good press you want. That's the stuff that you want to see, not not this other insane stuff with backstage fights and whatnot. And it's, yeah, it's, it's night and day. It's like Cody left and kind of brought all the goodwill with him, right? <laughs> like, the positivity followed Cody. It wasn't immediate, but wow. What the hell happened? Not, I'm not legitimately saying it was Cody Rhodes that is the cause and solution of all their problems. But that timing's amazing, right? Like, that he adrenaline in your soul. He really was the leader. And that's... There's been jokes for years about Punk saying he's the locker room leader. And everybody from, like, Jericho type basically said, the locker room leader doesn't say they are that. <laughs> like, that's, that's fault number one. Like, Undertaker was because people respected him. Clearly, people do not respect Punk. Should they or shouldn't they? Different topic. But clearly, they don't. So, th there's no respect there. I think there was the, a story about Booker T told about that. Or was told about Booker T not respecting him for that. And it's the thing. Like, you can't just say, you must respect me. I've dealt with many people who've tried that. It's like, no, I, I, I will respect the position, but not the person. So, there's a big difference in that. Oh, it's just like when Batista, Batista tried to do that after a short run and he confronted Booker T and Booker T beat his ass. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a clear difference on that. And when the talent meeting was apparently Jericho, Moxley, and Danielson, yeah, those are people that are respected. So that makes sense. Not saying it's a locker room leader situation, but like, what was Sting doing during that? Or is he just viewed as like he's kind of a legend also here? He's not really leading it. He's also... Like, not tag-along, but you know what I mean? He's not... It's not the same for him. He's not as active in it, and it's kind of a weird... A weird way to look at it, but... With Punk, clearly nobody respected him. And even less do now. And I, I don't blame him. Uh, now, I've always liked Punk. I thought he was always fun in the ring, and his promos were fun, but... Like I said, it's a bit of a misstep lately, and... He's a cancer to your press, because... He's killed everything they did over the past number of weeks to get everything going. They don't need him. He was their Hogan. He could have brought them to another level and did bring them to million-dollar gates and million-dollar houses and million-dollar ratings, or million-number ratings. He was able to hit some of those numbers, but this is not the extent... This is not the what it costs. Like, it, it's too costly. You could grow... You don't need to get there that fast. You can cut this and get there naturally. You, you can do it by building your own stars. You got Wardlow. You got guys you brought over like FTR and Brian, and you got guys you're building up like Kingston and your own homegrowns like Darby and Daniel Garcia, 
who, if I'm correct, won the pure title tonight from Wheeler Yuta, who they've made entirely of their own. Yeah, I know they've been in places probably like GCW and PWG and stuff like that on the indies, but this is national TV and he won the main event, not Hangman or Danielson. It was Garcia and Yuta. That's what they should be doing. That, I was wondering before we recorded, why the hell is that the main event? I kind of realize it now that that's a good main event to show faith in that sort of talent. To redirect things and put that position forward as what they want to focus on. Right? So that's that's a good thing in that regard. And I think that's a positive thing that we can kind of end this on. So uh, unless anybody has any final thoughts. And sadly, we never got CT. He never came back in. He's gone forever. It was a good run. It's unfortunate that backstage fight had to happen. Red went and beat him up in the locker room. CT bit him, but Red threw a chair. You know, like that's... It's unfortunate. Red, any words you want to say about that before we go here? <laughs> I could. I tried He's to straight a- face it. I tried real hard. <laughs> I'm tired of defending myself about this shit with CT. Took my GM role and I'm tired of him fucking boasting about it. I mean... Bear me, he fears you, right? Or you fear him? All that that clearly went too far. He said, "Come get me," and it just had yeah. to happen. I'm, and I'm here, and now he's gone. You know, I guess we just have to. We'll have to talk more about it on the dark side of the the podcast episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least, uh, at least GMSG knew to do well enough and left the arena beforehand, like Hangman. You know, things are good for you, right? Are, are you sure it wasn't him? Because me and him are very similar. Well, <laughs> wait. The dark side on the Patreon. No, no, no. We don't do that. We don't do that kind of thing here. Okay. Everything we do is free for everybody. It's all good. We're very upfront and clear about that. So, yeah, we will leave it with that. So on CT's behalf, which, I mean, there'll be a suspension, but we'll figure out what happens. It wasn't a wellness violation. He'll be back. We'll probably figure that out, but his role's vacant for now. We'll have new champions later. Thanks again, everybody, for bearing with that ridiculous joke at an hour and 30 minutes of this. Thank you again. This is Top of the Card Pod on Twitter. Also check out, again, Frontline League on Twitter. We just did three shows, like we said. For all the real wrestling we mentioned, we had three shows that we booked, had championships and storylines with debuts and endings. Uh, It was a hell of a lot of fun. We put a lot of work into it. It is available through our Discord. You can follow through that from either of those Twitters and the Frontline Prediction League YouTube channel. I said League with a B somehow. But you knew what I said there. So do check that out as well. We're really proud of that with what we did. The next show is not going to be till October 7th with Bound for Glory. It's a Friday. Keep an eye out for trenches. Beer may do it every week. We'll have that as well. But top of the card pod, this is the Bioweekly Podcast. CT will be back here next time. On behalf of the guys, thanks again, everybody. We appreciate this. Have a good night.